the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Ah, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Placed nicely in early fall by those scholars who compiled the revised common lectionary, Perfect timing as we get ready to launch into stewardship season. With the reading from Amos about those who live in luxury and the New Testament message in 1 Timothy that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and then this story in the gospel about rich people ending up in hell. No, wait. Scratch that. Let's try again. Let me be clear that I don't believe that rich people 
will end up in hell. By that logic, I'll be joining most of the people in North America in Hades while the rest of the folks in the global south party with Jesus in the afterlife. I think it's more complicated than that. But I do think that this parable is a little bit about stewardship because it's how we prioritize and love the things that are ours here on earth. How God asks us to name and know and love that which surrounds us. First, a few things about this parable. Number one, the rich man isn't just your average rich man. We are talking conspicuous consumption. Meat every single day at a time when most, most folks ate very little meat. One scholar translates the rich man's lifestyle as splendidly making merry every day. Number two, purple and fine linen have many biblical connections and connotations. Purple dye came from a very rare shellfish and was associated with royalty. So this rich man must have been a sight to behold. Number three, in ancient urban life, dogs were not cute, fuzzy pets like they are in our context. Wild dogs likely roamed the streets, scrounging for whatever they could, and since Lazarus received no burial, it's possible his body may have even been food for the dog. <coughs> Number four, when the scripture says that Lazarus lay at the rich man's gate, the word really means something more akin to he was thrown, like a piece of trash. And number five, bread was used almost as napkins in Greco-Roman feasts. Since you might eat quite a bit with your hands, you would wipe your hands with a piece of bread and then let that fall to the floor. So no wonder that Lazarus wished for just a little bit of what fell from the rich man's table. So now perhaps it's more clear this extreme contrast between the rich man and the beggar at his gate. But there is one more piece of information that is important, and I think it's key. This is the only parable of Jesus in which a character is named with a proper name. Lazarus. Lazarus is the only character in a Jesus parable who is named, and what's more, the rich man who does not have a name actually knew Lazarus's name. He knows Lazarus, he calls him by name, which means that he could not have been ignorant of Lazarus's condition. And yet, the rich man is still giving orders from Hades. He is still giving orders to Lazarus 
and also giving orders to the father of his faith, Abraham, no less. I think this rich man sins in quite a few ways. But I propose that the ultimate sin here is that while he knew Lazarus's name, he never bothered to know anything else about him in life and therefore couldn't love him as a child of God in life or in the afterlife. And likewise, the rich man knows Abraham's name, Father Abraham's name, but never knew the God that Abraham represents and therefore never could come to love God. There is a pattern of priorities, I think, that is instructive here. Yes, this is a parable about priorities of money, but more so, this is a parable about priorities of relationship. Jesus asks us to prioritize knowing our neighbors. He asks us to prioritize relationships with neighbors above all else, above money, above prestige, above even our own personal salvation. He asks us to know our neighbors so that we can love them. And Luke has already told us who our neighbors are. Remember back in chapter 10 with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Basically, my neighbor is anyone, and especially anyone who is different than me. So that could be the panhandler on the road, or the child in the pew in front of me. My neighbor could be the family from New Jersey that just moved in a couple houses away, or the new administrative assistant who's learning a new job. My neighbor is in the hospital, in prison, on the streets, in the next office, and in the next pew. Now, if we think about it, knowing someone starts with knowing their name, right? What happens when we focus on the simple act of knowing someone's name? It's a start, isn't it? But it depends on what you do once you know someone's name. In fact, the rich man had gotten that far but that was and that is not quite enough. He probably knew Lazarus's name only because he enjoyed ordering Lazarus around, out of his way as he went back and forth between his house and the street. When we only know someone's name, we don't even go that far and never bother to learn a name. That person becomes less of an individual and more a part of a whole group. And there's a danger to that person fading into a group, a group that can be easily dismissed. So rather than 
Joe, the man who does some odd jobs around the block, he's just part of the many homeless folks who live on the streets. Where rather than Karen, our neighbor down the street who puts up a political sign in her yard, she's just part of that other political party that we may not agree with. Knowing our neighbors starts with a name, but it goes deeper. And when we begin to prioritize knowing our neighbors, we start to be able to hear their story. We're able to learn why they are like they are. We can begin to know maybe the family networks or the systems or the institutions that have formed them. Many of us at Church of the Holy Communion have helped with a program called More Than a Meal, the feeding ministry that happens at Grace St. Luke's Episcopal Church. And it strives to be, well, more than a meal. It's designed to be more than a Sunday dinner because we call the people who attend guests and they get name tags. And there are opportunities opportunities to sit and talk and pray with one another. And in the sitting and the conversing together, perhaps, just perhaps, we can find a bit of understanding of the ways and systems by which an individual is experiencing homelessness. Jesus asks us to prioritize relationships, and especially to prioritize relationships with those who differ from us. What names do we never even bother to know? What stories do we never even bother to seek out? What neighbors are unknown because we are just plain oblivious to their existence. Maybe in our church, in our neighborhood, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our city. Who remains nameless and unknown here in Memphis? Last week, I preached about the dishonest steward, the parable that comes just before this parable of Lazarus and the rich man. I spoke about how in the kingdom of God, grace wins over accountability every time. And I said that we are invited to partner with God to ensure that love wins here in Memphis. Coming to know our neighbors, all of our neighbors, and making sure that this deep knowing is a priority, this is a way for love to win. The rich man never prioritized knowing the neighbor just outside his gate, but we can. <coughs> Amen.